This week, we team up with our friends from over the pond. And the guys from World Forge are going to talk to us about US versus UK upbringing in D&D, how it's perceived in the, uh, well, marketplace. And then we're going to find out what their DM style is like. Welcome to We Speak Common. Benjamin. Joseph. It's such a such an inspired introduction, that one. Um, <laughs> it is you know, iconic at this point. Anyone anyone who, who creates a podcast knows that the one thing you've got to have is a decent intro. And uh, I think just saying my name and your name over and over again is... is it, it's, it does it. I know, we're very memorable. Well, someone did get your name wrong in that email that time, so yeah, we've still got Dan. work to do. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's stuck with me, that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, right. Look, usually we, we abble on and on and on and talk about many things but I feel like that would be rude to do today for 15 minutes because uh, it's not just us here no no we've got um, some guests some guests who uh, actually uh, what it's it's like 10 o'clock in the morning for you guys right yep yep right on the button mm-hmm. see we're at right. cool like what 20 uh, past now 20 past 4 in 20 the past afternoon 4 in the afternoon oh, I love the internet so uh, today we are joined by uh, Sam and Piper guys do you want to just introduce yourselves for us yeah, yeah, Piper, why don't you go first? Sure. I mean, are we introducing us individually, or are we talking about the podcast that both. we do? Do both. Okay. <laughs> we didn't talk about this. It's so complicated. <laughs> uh, well, I'm Piper, um, and I'm one of the co-hosts of our um, D&D sort of based creation uh, podcast called World Forge. Um, and when I'm not uh, doing that podcast or my normal human job, I am doing creative writing and illustration and uh Sometimes I DM, but Sam's more the expert yeah. there too. <laughs> yeah, we like to say World Forge is uh, Dungeons and Dragons adjacent because we don't really want to put ourselves too much in that corner. It, it's uh, kind of for storytellers and creators of all kinds. But uh, I am Sam, as Piper mentioned, and I am, again, as she mentioned, a little more of the dungeon master of the two of us. I've been playing D&D for well, almost 20 years now at this point. Uh, I've migrated up through the editions, starting with 3.0 and begrudgingly moved through 4th edition and into 5e now. <laughs> and, uh, uh, see, yeah, we've, we've about settled there. <laughs> see, we had the same idea. We thought we'd, we wouldn't name the podcast D&D specifics. We, you know, we have that room. And then we did 40 episodes on just D&D. So yeah, yeah. I guess our biases are <laughs> firmly yeah, rooted. It's funny how that happened. <laughs> I have tried to, to pull other systems into our group, but it's just... Nope. Mm, mm, and no. every time I look at another rule book, my heart just aches a little bit. <laughs> you yeah. know. Well, you know, you're, you're two men and you're you know early to mid 20s you probably can barely resist but to have a Dungeons and Dragons podcast in 2019 that's well, about how it goes yeah this. yeah we thought yeah <laughs> we, you know yeah, how yeah. much more basic can we get in this day and age and we thought we'll start a podcast <laughs> it was either this or Dungeons and Dragons podcast is like the pumpkin spice latte for oh, yeah. for yeah, <laughs> millennial was, white man. <laughs> it was either this or become a model on Instagram and sell greens. So you know, which I did try. Um, <laughs> that still only got one follower, and it is my mother. Well, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So Ben, what should we talk about? Well, I I love this because um, one thing that that we always talk about and I think we the one of the reasons we set up the podcast to begin with was because that over here in the UK uh, there isn't a massive representation for D&D let alone I think tabletop games no I think there's only one major um, game which is is Warhammer 
and yeah, even basically. that hasn't got a great perception uh, really over here it's like the stereotype you can think of but my view of of how D and and tabletop RPGs in general are viewed in America is like quite like the promised land <laughs> in my mind like, like oh there's, there's groups everywhere and and children are raised on the books you know yeah, I, mean? I don't I believe this is inaccurate but I'll be interested to find out session <laughs> so w- what we want to do really is um well learn about you guys and how you firstly how you got into it really yeah of course uh do you want us to just kind of jump in and start yeah wherever feels natural (laughs) (laughs) well you know i can't for me it it almost is impossible to remember a time when there wasn't dungeons and dragons right (laughs) it's been sufficiently long enough that the actual origins of of this hobby is kind of lost to the scholars i think but uh i I remember i had a, a good friend of mine in uh, middle school uh, had picked up a couple of books. I think his stepdad played or something like that. And he said, "Hey, this would be a fun way to burn an afternoon. Let's see what you know what kind of trouble we can get up to with this." And you know, 15, 18 years later, we haven't knocked it off yet. So <laughs> yeah, that's about as specific as I can get with it. Honestly, it's just sort of always been a part of my life. I feel. And see, I'm somewhat new to it in the sense that <laughs> I hadn't played D&D until I started dating Sam Mm -hmm. Um, and Sam kept talking about it and talking about it and I was like (laughs) no I don't think I could get into that I think it would be weird and awkward I don't think I could get into it but then the more that I thought about it uh, because I'm already so in love with creating characters and really immersing myself in that the more I was like well you know maybe I could like sit in (laughs) and then it became well you know maybe I could like really get invested in my character and like do all of this stuff Um, and then it went from that uh, starting with a session that we did with a group of originally Sam's friends mm-hmm. now all of our friends mm-hmm. um, that we've been I guess technically doing for four years although we haven't met in like six months yeah. but that's kind yeah. of mutual um, <laughs> so now I have uh, branched into doing some DMing myself with some of my other groups of friends and yeah. then um, we are now starting a campaign where I've gotten so into it that um, I bought a little smoking pipe online so I could have a prop and do a voice while <laughs> While we're while we're playing, well, so I'm shocking. You've been the same person. I have just ordered a pipe. <laughs> <laughs> See, That's brilliant. This, this makes me pleased that the curse of like never being able to schedule a game is just universal. Yeah, it's not it just feels us. like it's just us when we're here, doesn't it? <laughs> it does feel that way. Yeah, but that's no. That is that's kind of nice to hear, but also really soul breaking <laughs> like it's in there you never escape it well uh, the interesting well, thing i found about that is you guys uh i mean you dropped the, like it sounds like you dropped the um uh, you know the addiction to D early in the dating process which i think is a a risk <laughs> and a bold move. move that is but yes. i like it well you know i felt like she was going to find out sooner or later and rather than hide my shame i wanted to you know live out in the open and, and proud of my yeah <laughs> it's like practically date one it's like i'm sam i'm yeah. a big nerd just in case you didn't know although that was obvious we met at a convention for nerds yes. so yeah. I, I knew what i was getting into yeah. oh god conventions there's so many in america there's yeah. like none yeah. here <laughs> so we we we're not just in um we're not just in the uk like we're in the back end of nowhere just to clarify like we're (laughs) like if if you think of the uk and you think of london everyone always says like if you go abroad and you say i'm from the uk they're like oh london and we're like no we're like two hours away which sounds like not a lot of time when you live in a massive country but for us that's like 
that's that's a big diff that's a big distance yeah you know? i mean it's i mean the only thing more remote than here and terrible is scotland basically yeah, yeah, yeah. we're not scottish so we <laughs> dodge that bullet but um we're still we know a poor sucker who lives in scotland yeah, uh, yeah. i'd love to visit but, but live there mm, mm, maybe not maybe not so that's pretty cool so i mean i obviously we talk about lots of like rules mechanics stuff like that and um just dming in general because we sort of started this podcast with the aims of like well we're both kind of like fledgling dms we sort of feel like we know what we're doing we're all right but we'll just keep talking about it until we get better and you know hopefully our our fumbles can you know other people can learn from so i'm interested in you sam like uh when you first started dming how was that were you one of those ones where basically um you wanted to play D, but no one else wanted to so you were just instantly dropped into the dm role or did you get to play first what was that like for you you know i think as my dungeons and dragons career has sort of evolved i've slid more into that role a little mm. bit um when i first started playing i think we did have a pretty good balance of you know it was new to us all and every possible aspect of this hobby was interesting to all of us so we would you know argue over who gets to dm and imagine what a what a charmed life to live where <laughs> everyone is fighting to, to run a game for you uh and it, i think as we you know got older and we had other hobbies and other parts of our life started kind of getting in the way uh it becomes a lot more of a commitment to dm as i'm sure you guys are very familiar with and so the eagerness of my colleagues definitely started to wane uh, coming out of uh, you know, high school and into into college and all that. So now I am pretty much the you know the constant DM in our groups. And I think this last year or so in particular has been kind of a bumper year for us for getting new people interested in in the game. You know, we've had a couple different. Uh, play groups where you know there's always at least one or two people who have never played before which is on one hand really nice because we're introducing new people to the hobby but on the other hand it sort of prolongs my constant state <laughs> of <laughs> doing the lion's share of the work <laughs> see me and ben we uh we kind of uh, sort of over the last year our grand master plan was just to turn every one of our players oh, into a worse. dm and we've slowly <laughs> what we've got two more that are dming two now so go. yeah there's a yeah. couple of tough nuts still to crack in there but we will get them behind the screen eventually i suspect but yeah that's kind of a tough one i mean when me and ben started first started playing like I, because I've known Ben for a, obviously a long time, mm -hmm. um, but then we didn't, we weren't really that close for like a, a couple of years. Then we yeah, sort we of sort of had that that high school friendship that then sort of went apart as we went off into different things and yeah. then just sort of somehow came back together. Yeah, and then I came back to you because I was like, well, I know Ben plays D and D, and I'm going to run a game again. And then, but, you know, I sort of messaged him, and Ben was like, oh, thank God. Yeah, <laughs> thank God. <laughs> yeah, we've <laughs> been needing this. Yeah, so for but so for you, Piper, you said you've just started getting into the uh, DM role a little bit. So what's that been like for you? So for me, it's been um, a lot more of kind of me saying out front or, or first of all, I don't want to follow the rules of the book. I want to more <laughs> tell a story and let my players do whatever they want. Um, so actually, it's I think Sam might have pulled his hair out a little bit if he sat in <laughs> on the first uh, um, campaign where I DM'd with um, several of my girlfriends because we all met up and we were rolling our stats and everything and they're like well, well what's this thing about cantrips like how many can I use and I'm like I don't know um, let's say you can use five per session that's what I think sounds right and they're like oh cool sweet and then every session we would play we'd always come back to these cantrips because 
one of my friends, she her brother plays D and D, and she has a sense of it. And she's like, "No, I'm pretty sure there's a rule about this." And I'm like, "Just throw the light. I don't care." <laughs> like we have to get back to the stories and the the narrations and everything. Yeah. So mine has definitely been a a loosey goosey kind of approach to it. Um, and I have to force myself to put combat into yeah. the games because I'd rather <laughs> just have more role play sessions. So well, it's very loose. <laughs> I, I think it's funny you say Sam would be pulling his hair out over it because I was. I mean, you you guys played that session and you said, "Hey Sam, can you take a look at our character sheets and make sure we rolled all our stats?" That was right for a different one. Yeah, oh, that was for you a different one. You weren't there for the first one. Ah, uh, well. Either way, I remember you handing me a character sheet and basically saying, "Is this right?" And it was. Not. Very much not right. <laughs> yeah. I think we're a good uh, a good mirror to that because I mean we yeah. joke. There's there's five of us, six. We got two groups that made up of the same people, bar one, and um, you're very much the the rules lawyer, Joe. Whereas I think uh, you look Wesley, who's in our group, and and I. I think it's all about let's get the story out straight. Yeah, I mean, obviously I'm all about the story, and when I'm DMing, I think I'm actually less less concerned with the rules than when I'm playing you're more concerned about because you're like oh is, is he is he fair is, he, is this right well, because as a DM I, you know I sort of have the ultimate power in the game anyway I can yeah. decide what happens yeah. so I'm not too worried about it but I, I generally when I'm a player especially when Ben's my DM is Thank like, you. I always like to take a, an adversarial approach <laughs> and eke every advantage I can get out of it yeah. you know I feel like I'm in an uphill battle with Ben so I mean and you have killed my character like twice so it's yeah but I mean he came back I mean, yeah, but he's he's a changed man. He's a changed man. But all for the better of the story, Joe. Well, ooh, arguably. Yeah. But yeah, so you I... Risk off that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, I think D&D is like... Just the way that... I think 5e, I think, is a lot more narrative-focused than some of the other, other editions can be. Yeah. But obviously, at the end of the, the day, like all the class abilities, everything is focused around fighting. That is that is what D&D is basically obviously you've got like exploration and some of the other pillars but the primary pillar is fighting and I, I kind of felt the same way when I first started DMing I was like well I, I don't like building encounters I don't like balancing them I don't know how you know and so I was like but then I found that a lot of my players like especially a couple of our players Ben we, like they're just they're just in it for the combat, you know what I mean? Especially one. One, one is it, one for certain, yeah. All he cares about is rolling crits, lots of dice, lots of damage, and that's Which, his thing. To be fair, that is the game part of D and D. The rest yeah. is the story, yeah. and and you know, I will always say, and I think I'll, I want to get onto this in a minute. But for us, if we are bringing new people in, nine times out of ten, I'd say nine point five times out of ten, they are brand new to it because of of where we are, and. I always lead with well it's it's a storytelling experience really but then you roll dice as part of the game yeah and I found that for me I I had to sort of begin to adjust my DMing and look like well what does everyone actually want to get out of the game yeah so I've got all these guys who are really invested in the characters and whatnot and now I've got this other guy he just wants a new bow he just wants that (laughs) plus one bow he just wants to shoot 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 that's literally all he cares about so I had to sort of facilitate to that but I found now the more I've done that and really like focused on encounter building stuff I actually quite enjoy it now because it's uh you know, it's I guess you enjoy what you're good at, and I feel like I've gotten slightly better at it now. Yeah. So that's something that's sort of. I think it's interesting that you make the division between players who are really interested in the rules and players who are really interested in the story. Because as a DM, I've kind of had, I've sort of had a shift. I think since I started playing with Piper, um, just because we both have different approaches to running games. You know, back in my 3.0 and 3.5 days, I viewed 
the rules as the game. And I, mm-hmm. I, that was kind of the thing that mattered. It was everything has to follow the rules and that's what gives the game structure and that's what's interesting about the game. And I think in recent years, moving into fifth edition and moving into you know groups where we have players and DMs like Piper or people who are just newer in general who aren't as familiar with the rules, I've kind of shifted my perspective on it a little bit that I think the rules kind of exist to make everything else matter, mm-hmm. right? It's just sort of the backbone for you know, you can sit at a table and you can say, oh, I kill this dragon and I win all the treasure and I, you know, make out with all the fantasy elves and stuff. But <laughs> if you don't actually have some kind of a system that regulates that, then it's just that. It's a bunch of people just standing around a table saying things um, and having something that is, you know, impartial, like a 20 sided dice, for example, to say, no, you've actually succeeded is uh, an important part of the game, but I'm sort of seeing now a smaller part than maybe I used to give it credit for. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think I think I agree. It's it's definitely the whole package that makes it what it is, and it makes it unique. And I think that is why I always come back to that. Well, you, you're not going to get it unless you give it a go. You, you're not going to understand unless you try. And I think what's interesting as well, hearing um, us talk, all four of us, is the difference in the way we talk, Joe, and we say. I feel like we're more leaning towards the you know, go on, go on, try, go on, go on. We're trying to egg mm-hmm. people on. Whereas you guys don't, it doesn't sound like you have that. Well, you know, I, I think our play style in general is a little bit more collaborative than a lot of yeah. a, a lot of groups. Mm-hmm. Um, something that we've, you know, we've, we try to listen to a lot of other like actual play podcasts and other DMs and, and kind of pick and choose components that we like out of other people's play styles. And what mm-hmm. we sort of settled on in the last year or so that I think we really like is instead of looking at it as the dungeon master running a game and the players all kind of participating in it, we try to treat it like everyone is kind of telling a story together. Like so sort of open narrative. Yeah, exactly. So for example, you know, we'll walk into a room and instead of me saying, okay, it's, you know, this sound is in the background and this is what you see in the room and these are all the patrons in this bar or whatever, I'll give a brief description of it and then I'll turn to all my players and I'll say, okay, what's one thing that you see in the room? that can be relevant to combat or some type of interaction or it can just be flavor and then that sort of allows everyone to have greater stakes in the world and allows for you know better role-playing opportunities things that I wouldn't necessarily think of and it becomes less pressure for the dungeon master and a richer world in that way I think Mm. we've also um, a couple of times at least with the last campaign that we did before that one broke up uh, because a couple who was in the group broke up um, (laughs) one thing yes (laughs) One thing we did with that that was really fun is we actually um, we traded off uh, DMing. So I believe yeah. I started that one. I did yeah. the first two um, sessions, and then the next time Sam took over and he DM'd from there. And the plan was then to kind of like rotate uh, who would tell the story like per different episodic adventures mm-hmm. with the same group. And that was also really fun because we all got to like build in the world and have a little control. Yeah. That's really cool. That's something that um, we're we're only just starting to do. Uh, one of the players who we've recently converted to a DM over here um, is is sharing with me. So we're, we're linking together 
published modified adventures and and creating this sort of greater world and i'd love to tell you all about it but uh there's too many spoilers for joe <laughs> and, and I, I cannot i cannot ruin it for him because it would ruin it for me that's something you run into a lot in this podcast i've noticed that yes like, oh, oh, every cool week like, damn it joe why are you <laughs> this is the thing this is what i mean like we've we've only got our one group so oh, no. you know if if and they they like to listen too i mean um james just said to me like oh i've been catching up like oh can you do an episode on this that'd be really interesting because he's getting into dming and it's like oh I've really got to think about what, what we're saying <laughs> yeah I mean it's great every time we finally uh, get to some sort of climactic reveal or something so oh, okay fine. I've got all this material now I can actually drop into the podcast yeah. and, and talk about but it was, it's interesting what you're saying about sort of the collaborative nature between the DM and the players I think as I sort of developed my DM style a bit I, w- I was very um, I say protective of my story, I suppose, and my yeah. world. I was like, I like the way I've laid things out. I've thought about it, you know, thoroughly. I don't want my players to mess any of it up. Um, but obviously, that then becomes a very kind of static experience. And right. now, I think going forward, especially, I mean, for instance, in our, we, we're going to talk about this oh. on on our uh, like next week podcast, I think. But basically, my entire campaign is just completely been turned on its head as all the parties started fighting yeah, each I'm other really, I'm really they're, sorry they've broken up there's now two parties um, I'm going to have to run two simultaneous campaigns it's all gone a bit Pete Tong but <laughs> but I, I would have I've I say probably like a few years ago I would have like fought hard to stop that happening yeah. but I almost kind of invited it to happen now um, yeah. because yeah, it's really your own fault that I did it, all of well that. I don't know about that but um, yeah I just think that the more I'm kind of leaning into letting the players really just do whatever they want I mean obviously they're saying D&D oh you can do whatever you want but obviously there are restrictions the more I'm literally just saying to the players okay if you want to you know kill this person do this thing talk to this person whatever just let them you know go completely free form um it always enhances the story i've never had it where it's yep. destroyed something i mean it's it's destroyed a lot of my notes for sure i yeah. mean yeah, yeah yeah but it's always come out better than it was before i think and i think i've i mean i've always been that th- that's kind of way that i like when a player gives me something that i have to improvise on like the the idea that the player is going to say something to me and i go oh okay let's see what happens and i just go with it and it's something i haven't planned for i mean that always happens you know you can't plan for everything it's one of the staple statements you hear when you get into D like yep. you're never going to plan for it all um and i love that but the the idea of um a player saying like oh well i see this guy and he's doing this and i'm thinking oh how how am i going to roll this on like how does that work in a game because that's intriguing yeah well i don't know if we actually go as far as like somebody creating a character that would need stats on the spot yeah i don't think we've done that um well i mean i have <laughs> done that in, in my life but oh. not not in sessions really not the way that we play with our games quite as often right i think yeah. it's more so like if for example if we were to say Sam would ask us to describe what we see in this room, and if I felt inclined to say, oh, well, I see this uh, guy with a twiddly mustache and he's like petting a dragon in the corner or whatever, um, that wouldn't necessarily become a major character. We would just kind of like play it out and then maybe when the session was done, if something came out of it, then between sessions we could give him stats and make him more significant. Yeah. But it's sort of just like, you just kind of roll with it in the moment. Well, and I think the things that I definitely look for when I ask that of my players is, you know, I love when somebody says, well, there's a big uh, iron chandelier in the ceiling. And then my hope is that later during (laughs) combat or some kind of encounter, 
that will come up and be used in a mechanical way. And Chekhov's that gun. provides, yeah, exactly. Chekhov's chandelier. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it provides something useful for my players in a mechanical sense. And it puts something else in the room that helps establish the environment and, and all that. And I, I also, so I think it's interesting that you talk about your, your PVP kind of breaking your game a little bit. Um, because I think that's sort of the extreme example of, of kind of a philosophy that I have in general for Dungeons and Dragons is that, and well, and life really, but I, I think in most situations our mistakes and our failures are more valuable than our successes, right? Mm. And especially if we're trying to tell an interesting story, we're accounting for our players doing things the way that we want, right? So if our players do things that way, the way that we want and everything, you know, rolls 20s and, and works out perfectly, then we're just going to get the exact story that we expected, which will always be less interesting than me expecting my players to go one way and instead they burn the village down or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have to adapt and everybody has to kind of pitch in and, and find a way out of it. I think those are the more organic adventures usually come out of things like that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I think the situation in your game where everything has gone to part is it's purely <laughs> come from characters making decisions that their characters would make that make sense for their characters in the moment in the story absolutely that's what i think that's why it worked is because it wasn't a a player doing something say um disruptive to the story just for the sake of doing it you know sometimes you get that where a player you know the the, the guys are all being murder hobos and everything and it's and it's it's not in character you know the, the this um you know lawful good part and blah 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 just going around you know slaughtering all the peasants just as he does yeah yeah you know and that that's kind of destructive but these what the guys were doing here is you know we had this huge reveal um for uh for ben's character which changed some things which then got into a heated discussion which then turned to combat and then one of the other players had a vested interest in keeping this NPC alive so he mm-hmm. turned on the players then one of the other players turned on him yeah. so there were about four different sort of allegiances <laughs> all mangled together and what made it work I think is because the, the guys were so invested in their characters and their characters motivations it's like none, no one actually wanted to split the party no, um, no one I think pe- I think they wanted to see what I had planned in store but they were so invested in their characters that they were not willing and I was glad they weren't willing to sacrifice their motivations to do that they were like no my character's going to do this and, and that's what they would do and, that's that. and Ben I mean to be fair Ben was trying to fight my NPC who he knew was way more powerful than here he was he oh, knew I he was, couldn't I win I was prepared to drop for it mate. I was ready to go down <laughs> fighting i mean it didn't yeah and i mean practically it did happen that way but um yeah so i think that's that's what really pleased me was that the players um were invested enough in the motivations of their characters that they they were really letting that guide their actions and it just became this yeah. very sort of flawless yeah. experience in a way but i think that the right interaction on. that complicated as just the dm right mm. Yeah, I think I think that we are Joe very lucky in that you know I mean our group's been going for um, about two three years Something two and a half like years now, now. Yeah. you and I've been going for about five or six at this point uh, a couple of them are new but but have been going for a good year or so and we've we work you know we're we're a unit we know how each other plays we know what each other likes we know how to give each other the spotlight you know we are a unit at this point and we we play the game in a way where everyone can enjoy it because we've been doing it together for so long and we don't I don't think 
I mean, I could be wrong. There might be... <laughs> this is what I mean by UK. Like, I feel like it's not it's not a normal thing to be like, oh, hi, my name's Ben and I play D&D. So no. there could be someone down the road who, who plays every single night and is more devoted than me. I but mean, I doubt it. I doubt it, yeah. <laughs> so it's not easy for us to go out and, and find another game, but it sounds like you guys have multiple going. I yeah. think, yeah, the, like, what Sam <laughs> talked about in the beginning is the fact that, like, these comical D&D podcasts are becoming so popular. Yeah. I think it's really opened up the game to a lot of people who otherwise wouldn't consider it. And so, um, like, the first session that I led, um, one of my very good friends um, was somebody who I would never have guessed in a million years would have been interested in playing D&D. Mm-hmm. But she loved the podcast she heard, and she her brothers did it, and so she was eager to jump in and try it, especially since we were doing it with a group of friends of mine that have been together since like middle school so um it's, I, I don't know i think it's uh when you approach it like it's not the strict game of math yeah. and rules <laughs> yeah. and more of, of like oh it's a fun time to just kind of like yeah. you know make up things with yeah. your buddies uh and we'll use some things to guide us then it's way more like people are like oh i'll do that i'll have a beer and and be an elf that sounds cool yeah, yeah. and it's like you said you know fifth edition being much more narratively driven i think has opened a lot of doors for a lot of people who aren't interested in sitting down and doing math for four hours on yeah, a Saturday. Yeah. yeah, I think that I think that's the case because, I mean, obviously you can speak to this, Sam, because you've played quite a few different editions, but I first started <laughs> playing playing second edition. Um, which, oh, okay. Which uh, was, I would say, it's not like um, as sort of dense as like um, 3.5, but it's there's a lot of antiquated rules to it, um, and it's pretty, I'd say it's a harsh edition, um, compared to like 5e, <laughs> where there are a lot of kind of safety nets, like, you know, there's yeah. no death saves and that in 2e, you know, you just you, you just, just die, <laughs> you just die, like it's it's really yeah. ruthless, um, and so it's, I've... It's much more the dungeon master versus the players. Uh, that is it, that is it, that's like, here's this gauntlet I've set out now. Well, I mean, look at things like the through. Tomb of Horrors, and, and you know, that's that just kind of sums up that mentality, doesn't it? Yes, and that's much more difficult to get people into. But I think with 5e, because the rules are really simple, like and especially some of the classes, like you know, playing like a rogue or something like that, is, is pretty easy. You know, they they have a very uh, defined role that they can just slip into, yeah. and it's and then you can make it as complex as you want to make it at that point. But I think the especially like um, I think probably the best thing about 5e i think for me is the advantage disadvantage system oh yeah because it yeah. it just mass- and it's surprising because i didn't like it at first because i was like well i, I like all my plus ones my plus twos you know my, my plus four for flanking but then uh, you know a minus two for being prone but plus one because it's raining or something i don't you know i don't, <laughs> I don't know yeah, plus one in the rain what you brewed in the rain do you yeah that's it breakfast here so I, I lose some points there yeah, and I- yeah, exactly he specializes <laughs> yeah. in brooding but um <laughs> I, I was like, well, this it doesn't feel as kind of crunchy to me, and mm. it's not. But I think yeah. just it imp- increases the flow of the game so much, yeah. and it really helps for anyone to get into it. It's like I roll two dice or I roll one. You know, that's just a really simple thing to understand, and I think that's helped us a lot, and especially in getting the New guys people to, in, yeah, and especially in getting the guys to DM, yeah, because like it's yeah. not that complex. What's going on behind the screen is not that different than what's going on in front of it in terms of the math and whatnot. What we've kind of been experimenting with some of our new players is, you know, like in our session where Piper was talking about we would trade off DMing duties, really more or less what that meant was trade off writing the story, right. and then I would still would be the still one that says, the here's when you roll, and here's all the, yeah, here's all the <laughs> 
I, uh, I, I think that's great. I love that. Um, my other half, she's been playing for about a year and a half now, I think, and um, she's very much the type of person who, like you said earlier, Piper, like you, you don't, you don't think she'd play, and um, like she wouldn't tell her work friends that she sits down and plays Dungeons and Dragons every other week, but she enjoys it and and she gets really into it. Um, you know, and more so sometimes than <laughs> than some of the other guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, but and and. What's so exciting about it is that like for a lot of people who um, they have this like creative drive inside them, but no outlet for it. Mm -hmm. Like it's crazy to me that I was never in theater. And the main reason is because I have stage fright and I never tried out anything. I'm somebody who would spend like hours in front of a bathroom mirror pretending I'm amazing. And so when D&D came along, it's like, oh, wait, I can actually like act out in this way with other people. It was just awesome and I definitely jumped on that I refuse to believe any dungeon master who says they don't do funny voices in the shower or in the bathroom or driving to work or you know whatever I I mean I'll I'll be in the shower. It's the best acoustics in the house. Where else am I going to try literally my is. German accent? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my my accents range from from the good old Norfolk accent here to a, to Scottish, and that's about it, isn't it, Jay? Yeah, I think you've yeah. got a nice triangle of like where we are up to up to about Glasgow, and then across to Dublin. That's yeah. about that's about that's, my that's that's about a, my range. That's about your range. The problem in is there. though, what's, what's hilarious is that I did go to acting school. <laughs> 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 accents weren't the one for well, me. That, that's the thing. It's funny thing you say that Piper about you know being interested theater and that but never getting into it it's because i i kind of spot that now and especially um like with girls when i'm i'm trying to gauge whether they'd be into D or something like that it's they're the ones who are normally more into it than the guys it's easier to get uh, uh if i meet uh, a girl who's a friend of mine saying it's easier to get them into it because i especially if they've done some drama or something like yeah. that as soon as i say oh yeah i went to drama school i'm like okay have i told you about our lord and savior gary gargax <laughs> let me get you on board with the program well, his birthday is today by the way <laughs> yeah. oh god it is i know it's yeah. crazy isn't it but because I can, it's so much easier to explain to someone who's into a bit of drama or writing or something like that. It's not that much of a uh, a push to get them into D and D. A lot of like my my mates who are guys, you know, that it's it's a lot harder if they've never done anything like that before. Um, you know, it's it's a bit of a difficult sell to say like, well, okay, well we all sit down around a table and we imagine a story and, and we um, talk about what we do. You talk about what I do. I, you know, we I do talk it. about our feelings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And sometimes we cry. <laughs> we, <laughs> most times we cry. We we so, I we have had some tears. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's so been. Our first big D and D session that yeah. we did, um, we got uh, one of Sam's like best friends um, to join us, mm-hmm. and he I would describe as sort of like a silent athletic type. Yeah, like that's just oh. his actual <laughs> real life personality. And so for three years, I, I hang out with jocks. Yeah, <laughs> for three years of us playing the game, we'd all be in character, and he'd be sitting there, and we'd be like, "Hey, what does your guy do?" And he's like. I punch it. We're like, are you gonna do anything else? And he's like, nah, that's it. I punch it. And we're like, okay, well, sweet. Are you having fun? Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. But he played to his character so well. Right. I, it, that was exactly how he built his character to be somebody who punches things. Yeah, I mean, we've we've got a guy who he doesn't really do voices and and plays for the combat, and and he'll say like, oh, you guys are off. To, I'm gonna be up in a tree. Like Me. one of his characters, literally, I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> hang out in this tree while you guys do he all the RP. He's known for living in trees, which but- is fine because I mean we, we had that conversation you and I were like is is he enjoying it is he having well, fun well, but is, he was well this is the thing and I wasn't sure like when he's playing my game for a while and um, 
he was playing a rogue and literally you know he'd be like i'm like what are you doing he's like i'm hiding in the shadows i'm like okay you uh you keep doing you keep doing that then and then we get to combat and he'd be like i sneak attack i'm, I'm like, gonna stab him in the back okay and you what are you gonna do this turn he's like i'm gonna sneak attack him again joe so because um, that does the most ru- dice yes. i can roll the most dice if yes I and that. i was like okay and i thought okay is he having fun here and then i eventually added like a bit of his uh an element from his backstory sort of came up to the forefront in the game and he got slightly more involved with one of the factions you know still in his normal monotone voice the whole time yeah. but then all of a sudden he messaged me after the game was like okay so here's this like four pages of backstory I've written for this so I think it might be pertinent now and I'm like where did this come from like why haven't you told me about this before you know but he's I think some people it's um they want they get into all the writing and stuff like that but like you say a bit with, kind of like with the stage fright it's like it's just do I want to bring this all yeah, up now yeah. I mean I, when, when we get, one day he'll do a voice and I think that's when we would have cracked it with him yeah it's when you know he put I, the really important in. thing as a DM to create a platform for your players to feel comfortable and, and safe to mm. you know act like idiots basically <laughs> yeah. is what we do when we play this game so I think that's that should be something you take as a huge compliment that yeah. uh timid player open themselves up to you like that yeah absolutely and i think it like i f- especially find it when i'm dming um because uh my game is pretty much predominantly run online we just run it through like discord and that it's, um, it's the game that we go to when we can't all get together yeah basically yeah. and um <laughs> so there's that you haven't got that like sort of physical connection you can't um you know we've got webcams and stuff but you're not really seeing people's gestures and things like that so it's always everyone's a bit kind of shut down a little bit more when we first start that game mm-hmm. so like I always feel like I, I have to bust out the silly voice like almost immediately <laughs> just to so, break the so, ice so I can be like okay look I've done it now it's okay everyone can get into character again now it's you know and I even like when we're playing um, like we were playing the start set the other day when we're in and you know I do this sort of silly Kiwi accent and I was thinking like, oh no one no one's doing their voices yet. I have to that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I was sitting there and I'm like, oh no one's like doing their voices. What, what's going on here? And I could tell just because it was early in the morning, we hadn't played for a long time. It, we had a big break. Game. Anymore, yeah. Big break. I could see everyone was a bit a bit nervous. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm gonna have to bust it out. And then as soon as I did that, everyone started dropping into their. I mean, I don't know what some of those accents are, but oh, they God dropped. Knows. They dropped into them. Mine's um, just uh, mine's just my voice just slightly low and a bit gruffer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the, the go-to. So that is the, the classic. But we get quite we get quite physical. Like that sounds violent. I don't mean that. <laughs> we get quite like you know we we don't when we're next to each other. I mean, we were playing a game. And you like grasped my head. Like we did like forehead to forehead. Like we get into this stuff. I man. mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we had been... It seems we were playing for, what, like eight hours at that point, so... Yeah, we had lost the part of it. We sort of just degenerate after about four or five hours into lunacy, but, yeah, it's... That's when the best stuff happens, though. That is what's great about it, and that's when I try to get new people in I try to explain to them those experiences it's a bit tricky I mean I'm and they go what eight hours yeah I'm interested for you for you, to, <laughs> for, yeah, for you two guys because we've spoken about this before how do you go about explaining D&D to people oh yeah what's your method your go to method for explaining what it is well I would kind of describe it sort of the way that I have been talking about it so far mm-hmm. because like I feel like the people that I would be describing it to who I'm trying to convince to kind of come in and join us are sort of similarly like-minded as I am where I sort of say it's kind of just like it's more role play and more like making up a story and just kind of like joking around um, and then you just add some rules to it because I think those that's what would bring my crowd into it if I was trying to get someone involved yeah. because like if it was me 
and you said, well, you have to like do all this math and do all these things. I would be like, I'm not into it. No, yeah. thank you. Um, so I just tried to make it more story centered to describe it. But on the other hand, I, I think a big part of it is kind of knowing your audience, right? Yes. I mean, I have friends that I can be like, hey, listen, you nerd, you want to do math with me for six hours? And they'll say, <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Like, right. let me at that. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's just about finding the common ground, right? I mean, there's an intersection between Dungeons and Dragons and any person you can pull off the street. You just want to find that that point where it becomes interesting to them. And for some people, it's talking about, well, no, you get to hang out with your friends and have a couple beers and eat cool snacks. For some people, it's about telling a story. For some people, it's about designing a character or running a game. Right. I, I think it really, you have to kind of tap into what a given person will like about it. And I, I really, truly think that Dungeons and Dragons is such a, you know, the scope of this game is so broad and I think it's so elegantly designed, although it doesn't always seem that way. <laughs> there is a way for it to appeal to anyone in the world. I mean, I don't know if I'd call the stealth rules elegant, but that's, no. that's, that's, a, that's a pet peeve of my own, I think. Uh, we've, we've been over this, Joe. <laughs> oh, well, look, I'm, I've got an axe to grind, all right, Ben? All right. Okay, they need to release some rules, some yeah. actual rules for stealth. If they release a stealth rules only book, will you let me buy it? I mean, yes, Ben, I'll allow you to spend your money on it. Ben has an issue yeah. with buying I do have an issue. Have a you know what's one issue. rule that I actually would love for them to add into Dungeons & Dragons? Mm -hmm. and it's something that you see in a lot of other systems that's used to great effect in terms of narrative story play, storytelling, um, is partial success and partial failure. Mm -hmm. So if you look at games where they're not, it's systems that aren't based on a D20, that are based on degrees of success and failure, um, when you succeed at something, you you always have a, all right, you did this, but, or you did this and, right? Mm -hmm. There's there's an extra factor that you get to add on to every action that you try to try to play. Is that sort of how um, like the Star Wars version yeah, goes with like the exactly. light side and the dark side? You have an advantage or a disadvantage? Yes, exactly. Okay. So basically the way it works is you, you roll a bunch of dice and you add up all your successes and failures. And depending on the difference, it's a resounding success or just a slight success or like a neutral wash, right? Or vice versa. It's a failure or an overwhelming failure. And there's additional factors that you get to add in that I think open up a lot of really, really interesting mm. uh, role play opportunities that is something that is completely missing in Dungeons and Dragons yeah I'd agree with that I mean that's that that Star Wars game I've been trying to get Ben to play for some time but he keeps Mate, I'm, keep... I'm all here for it you set well, the day ben, we you, have... mate, you get everyone together <laughs> you, know, you know that's an impossible task well then there you go but no I agree we yeah. some podcasts that'll really hook you on it if, yeah, if you want we can talk after the and, yeah and there's um, <laughs> my back like, like, uh, <laughs> but Dungeon World's a bit like that as well like they have um I can't remember. I think you roll two. You roll two d sixes in Dungeon World, and uh, I think like a twelve is like a crit, basically. Yeah. Anything, yeah. anything under a six or below is like a failure. And then there's that middle ground where different things can happen. And I do, I do yeah. like that. I sort of kind of homebrew it into D and D when I'm DMing. Just yeah. from, so like you know, if the guy's like, okay, I want to go and jump this chasm, and I'm like, okay, roll an athletics check. And I'm thinking like, okay, the DC is probably like fifteen in in my head. And they're like, and they roll up a. a, a 12 or something or a 13 I'm like oh well okay I don't want to, just, to drop down the chasm and die that's, yeah. a, that's a problem so you know I, I'd probably describe it as like okay you jump but you don't quite make it you grab and fall and then I generally follow it up with like a secondary check yeah, to see so, how, how like the situation develops this is this is what I mean like D&D &D is so 
I was gonna, I was gonna, the word in my mind was modular, but that is not the word I want to use. Um, it's it's so open to you doing that kind of stuff. Like the the example I go for, which is a little bit drastic to make it all fall and die to your death, is um, die to your death. Good, good oh, English. I mean, yeah, something yeah, like that. Something like yeah. <laughs> And we invented this language. I, I know. What's wrong with me? Um, <laughs> like if you're if you're picking a lock and say the the DC is the fifteen and you roll the fifteen, fine, you get through. If it's a, you know a thirteen, like oh, unfortunately, it doesn't work. But if you get a I don't know, somewhere between a five and a and a one, like, oh gutted your lockpick just broke. Like you can add that stuff in, but I think it's it's that thing of how experienced are you with the game, how experienced are you with running it and and, and knowing what works for your players. And it's just I don't I don't think you ever stop getting better at being uh, yeah. a, a DM. Yeah, I mean I have that kind of love hate with five E in that I love that it is so open in that way. But then at the same time, the sort of second edition part of me is like, just, just give me the rules for these things, these, you know, these, these moments. <laughs> like, just all this work. Come yeah, back. exactly. I'm like, what, what's, what did I buy this book for? You know, what's in here? But um, so I, I kind of, I like it that it's so open. Like I have lots of options as a DM. I also think it can be a bit difficult though when some guys, um, you know, we're trying to put put people in the DM chair and they're like, okay, uh, you know, how do I do this? How do I do that? And I'm like, well, you just you decide you, you make know, it up you're the dm you know and i think unless you have that sort of inbuilt knowledge from experience it can be hard to kind of make those those judgment calls in um 5e a little bit i think i mean how uh when you what when you switched over from um what were you playing 3.5 to 5e um yeah how, how was that change for you when you first sort of made the jump well, so I first went to 4th edition and oh. I hated it. Yeah, um, that's and I, I think that's a lot of people's experience with 4th edition is that it's just sort of the one that we don't really talk about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's the weird cousin. I, yeah, exactly. Uh, and so at first I was like, no, I'll stick with 3.5 forever. 3.5, maybe Pathfinder if I'm feeling spicy, uh, <laughs> is is kind of my baby. And I have a lot of loyalty to that, um, to that system. Um, but there are just so many really great improvements in fifth edition in terms of accessibility to players and, uh, you know, ability to have cool narrative interactions rather than just mechanical interactions with people that I, I would say our, excuse me, I would say that our, our playstyle now is kind of a patchwork of the two. There are a lot of things that I still really like about 3.5 that I like to kind of bring over um, and things that I like about 5th edition that I, I like to use. So I would say that it was a difficult transition, but we got there eventually and I'm really happy with the place that, we're, that I'm in as a dungeon master now. Uh, I, I think it's nice that we have the luxury of being able to pull from all of these different sources and you know, kind of take what what we want from it. I mean, you said Dungeons and Dragons isn't modular, but you can not by nature, but you can kind of make it modular mm. if you put in mm. the work to to find ways to fit in tools and systems and rules that you like into your sort of native uh, rule set. Mm. Yeah, and it's like going back to what Piper was saying earlier about how you know there's all these shows out there now. You've got you've got yep. what Critical Role, Dice Camera Action, blah 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 blah. The list goes on, and and I part of me loves that and is like yes now is the time of the nerd like let's do this we're in charge <laughs> there's, cool now. there's a there's a really nice i mean this this shows how blooming dedicated i am um there's a really nice quote from one of the D live events that i think it's joe manganello is is doing and it's it's a massive long rambling paragraph but the 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 essence of it is like you know we were the ones in the being you know laughed at and pointed at but but now we're the ones <laughs> making tv and radio and and you know we're in charge yeah, so it's that, normal that is kind of kind of true in a way i do like how 
prolific it is now. Um, but I, but I still don't feel like that's true for here. I suppose not. But I guess it depends. Um, sort of what circles you walk in and, and who you who've to friends with the thing is I think as well with the internet is like it doesn't really matter too much where you are now mm. obviously you know for physical games like D&D and things like that but obviously you know we play online I've played on um, online games with just like randos before and it's like had sort of mixed experiences some have been good some have been bad mm. um and but like I, it kind of just amazes me that I can even do that. You know that that's yeah. a, that's an an option to do. It's kind of crazy well, to I me. Answer is that it's up to you guys to help uh, make it more popular, like it is here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, just <laughs> just leave us with the charge. That's fine. Yeah, we'll <laughs> we'll, we'll bring D and D to the masses of the UK. Yeah, well, working on it, working on it. I mean, uh, getting there. <laughs> slowly but surely. <laughs> I think it's so interesting to hear you say that Dungeons and Dragons isn't popular in the UK because I think from an American perspective, you know, every piece of fantasy media is that's the out UK. there is yes, yeah, generically European, right? I mean, you know, <laughs> that is... we see Game of Thrones and we see, you know, all these shows and everybody has a British accent and there's there's no one who sounds that's American in so any interesting. Piece of that was actually something that I was thinking all. about earlier when yeah. we were talking about voices because yeah. for us I normally just play with like my normal accent, my normal voice. So we have a lot of Americans in our fantasy yeah. setting. Yeah. And then yeah. I decide to be fancy, I try to do a British accent. Yeah. And then it's like, ooh, now we're adding a level to it. That's the authenticity that uh, we bring to the table. It's really interesting that you say that, that everything you see has a British accent because um, I feel like it's the opposite for us. So um, my <laughs> my partner works in a nursery. She works with um, zero to two year olds. And she actually said to me the other day that uh, one, of the, one of the toddlers came up to her and she was like, She's like, Phoebe, have you got any water? Mm. And it's like, what are you doing? It's water. <laughs> Where, what have you been watching? And they've, they've been sat watching like Nickelodeon or they've like Boomerang or something. And it's been all, all the American shows. It's funny that you say that though, because Sorry, SpongeBob is ruining all your poor. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah that... oh, poor little British children. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anything fantasy then it's yeah. definitely yeah. like it, all, like british it, it really is well, not to mention the fact that you know you go on youtube any any role playing resource you know any tabletop uh, terrain building channel or lore channel or most like a lot of actual play stuff it's all people from the uk or that at least to my feeble american ears would pass us from <laughs> i assume you're all from the uk <laughs> so we've <laughs> no. got i think the the only British person I have seen in no he's not even British ignore me I'm being wrong no I don't think I've I think I've I follow a few crafting like channels and they they tend to be British I think we're quite crafty um and there's a couple of law things for for like folklore and stuff that that I would follow that are British and I think that's just because we've, I think we've been around for a lot longer but yeah. <laughs> you just can't get rid of us I'm afraid sorry um but the actual play stuff is is all the guys in Seattle and LA and stuff like that yeah I mean it's interesting you were saying proper about like you know all the fantasy shows and stuff like that having British accents that just seems to be like the norm and it yeah. I guess it would be kind of jarring Don't like you like if, you know if if Peter Dinklage just you know did his normal American <laughs> accent in Game of Thrones it would be weird you know we would it would be strange so it's funny in um our game like we when we go kind of I mean we don't, I don't think we have really any American accents no one does one I don't in think our we game, have do no. I? and I don't think and that's 
I don't, uh, that's funny you say that because now I'm thinking about it you know I guess subconsciously I've just kind of ruled out the American accent as like that's not medieval yeah but like at the same time I probably wouldn't drop in an Indian accent <laughs> you should challenge yourselves for the next yeah. D&D session you do and just introduce the cowboy you know yeah. or, uh, <laughs> and just throw that into the mix. yeah well you know the southern accent's the easiest one in America to do pretty much exactly. anybody can do that I've never oh, wow. the tell a lot. I did, I did do ha- that. tell oh, I, did, I did do a Texan <laughs> accent yeah. I did. Ha- I did have a. If you remember Ben, that that dragon. Um, remember they kidnapped the whole party. You and flew. A Texan oh god, yeah, he we flew. had a Texan dragon. Yeah, he was polymorphed oh. as. Uh, he polymorphed just as this like peasant guy who met the guys. Was he a gold dragon? No, no, he was a whatever the one that does like the sleep gas breath attack. I think he was bronze. Bronze, probably. And so he was chatting to the guys in a pub, a bar, what have you. Standard dragon stuff. Yep. And, um, <laughs> you know, in his polymorphed human form. And he just wanted to talk to them. He just, he's very talkative. Probably some stories, didn't he, mate? Uh, yeah, and you yeah. talked to him for a while and then you got bored of him and, um, you know, he's not... Nice... Tried to leave. Yeah, and I don't know why I gave him like a southern drawl and it was probably very <laughs> offensive and not very good. <laughs> but I just thought I wanted to differentiate him a little bit. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> and... <laughs> And uh, yeah, then he just uh, he did his breath attack, put them all to sleep, flew them away to the desert just to continue talking to them. Really, yeah, it's a bit of Stockholm Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> yeah, on I, that one. Can I? Uh, I want to. I want to challenge you, but I'll put myself out on on the ledge here as well. Could I? Could I talk to this dragon really quick? Okay, let me. Oh, gosh, how long ago was this? Let's see if you can pull this out. Hang on, let me let me find his name here and remember if I can I'll remember. Do my best bad British accent. If you, I'll I'll, I'll open up the it. conversation. You can just reply if you want. Oh god. Okay. okay, let me think. Uh, okay, so let me put you a picture in his head. He's so in his human form. He's just got like um, looks a bit like a monk. He's got these like red, red and yellow robes on. Um, right. And he's got like a nice shaved, bald head. Pretty young, probably. You're just describing me now. Yeah, yeah. I based him on Ben's likeness. Um, <laughs> he's got a little gingery beard, bald head, Whoa. and um, yeah. If you imagine, he's just kind of sitting at, at the bar. He's sitting at the bar having a drink. And uh, right. you approach him. What do you say? Okay, so I approach him. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm preparing my, my vocal cords for this. <laughs> All right, mate. Well, I'm off to the shops here real quick. You want me to pick something up for you while you sat there at the pub? <laughs> hmm. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't think I do. Woody Wait a moment. <laughs> Can you get me some strawberries? <laughs> The small ones. Get down some of that sweet tea. (laughs) The small ones, just right. Also, I'm a dragon. (laughs) (laughs) A classic catchphrase. Also, Also, I'm a dragon. Yeah, that's basically how that one went. But I don't know why I can I can put American accents on like you know big powerful fantasy creatures but not just you know if it's just like an elf and that well he's got to have some sort of high British accent I love as well that the British go-to was alright mate <laughs> yeah, well, the classic yeah, of course um, do you guys have you guys ever heard uh, the Norfolk accent it's um I don't know I wouldn't have known if I had <laughs> so so Norfolk for us is, is like um, it's quite countryside you're near the wash so it's kind of like think like boggy marshland and then you've got the ocean and they're all farmers it's very very flat um, 
and the, the the I think the Norfolk phrase that we always get is so British in stand is like, are you all right, mate? How you doing? Norfolk would be, are you all right, boy? You all right, boy? Are you all right, boy? You're how right, you doing, boy? boy? How you doing, boy? Yeah, <laughs> they're all farmers around here. I can do a dog. No, that is that is pretty, that, every Norfolk man has a dog. Every more, no, yeah, he gets issued one at birth. So, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's law. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Very- by your your southern oh, uh, thank Texas you. Mexican thank you. Yes, I, I put five American flags out of five American flags. <laughs> that's pretty. That's, that's pretty good. I mean, I can die a happy man now. I mean, it's that. I mean, some of them are, are tough. I go like the the kiwi one is not kiwi. He dips into Australia way it, too much. It's quite good though. <laughs> I just put a bro on the end of everything, and that sort of hides it. Yeah, you know that's um. Like no, bro. Yeah, bro. Yeah, <laughs> you know I mean? just, like, just just put that on the end. That... You kind of just like tip your inflection up a little bit, like you're asking a question mm. every time. Yeah. See, I used to think yeah. I was quite good at at Welsh. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I thought I was quite good at Welsh, and then um, then I got a Welsh girlfriend, and um, <laughs> apparently not, <laughs> no. not at all. Yeah, but the cra- makes sense with that accent. No, but the crazy thing, I don't know if you like, you've heard our podcast with Phoebe on, which is Ben's girlfriend. She has basically a similar accent to Ben. Yeah. But her family's Welsh, and can she can just turn it on immediately, yeah. and it's one hundred percent accurate. She it's goes shocking. She goes Welsh when she's angry. <laughs> oh dear, it's quite entertaining. <laughs> no, that's, that's interesting. That's that's pretty cool. I mean, to be fair to you guys, I think I, I think it's easier for a British guy to put on an American accent than it is an American to put on a British. Yeah, I don't know why that is. But yeah, uh, the stereotypical ones that are easy to do, like it's yeah. always the Southerner or like the Texas Ranger. Yeah. Um, what would be really impressive if you could do a good impression of the accent that we're most well known for. So we're from oh, Minnesota yeah. and this is how we normally sound. But people, when they think of Minnesota, they think of more Canada or North Dakota, yeah. which is kind of more kind of like, oh, yeah, did you hear yeah. about Margie there? <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I saw her at bingo last night. And it was just the saddest thing. Oh, that Margie. And it's just like lots of long o's and very kind of yep. uh, uh, Scandinavian. Yeah. yeah. So that's well, more kind of what we're known for. I've been trying the Scandinavian one for a while because my players are sort of dipping into a sort of more kind of Norse Viking-y setting uh, at the oh, moment. Not mine, not anymore. Well, no, not anymore. No. He's coming west, man. <laughs> but they were going to go to a Norse Viking-y setting and um, so they've met a couple of play- uh, characters on that line and I keep like, I was rehearsing, I mean, it literally went on YouTube, it's like, how do I do Icelandic? How yeah. do these people talk? You know, I was practicing it, practicing it, practicing it and then, like, somehow, as soon as I started talking in the session, it was coming out like Italian and I was like, oh, this has gone all wrong. Oh all wrong. See, I've gotten to the point now where I don't think I've actually I haven't DM'd in in a while um, and the next session is is me in the chair and I'm really excited but the one thing I'm I'm dreading is the voices because in my mind I'm like yeah I'm going to do loads of voices it's going to be really entertaining and I'm really good at it but I know that everyone's going to just laugh I mean, it, <laughs> but I'm used to it now. Like, I like that. I like that it's entertaining in that sense. But it gets to the point where I'm like, okay, no, guys, I'm actually trying to tell you something now. Like, it's not funny anymore. Like, just, I mean, just get used to it. I mean, I can tell. Like, Ben doesn't doesn't have to describe whether he's, you know, uh, playing a dwarf or you know, his NPC is dwarf. Scottish. Uh, always Scottish. Just, uh, yeah, you know. And even when he tries to do another one, it just somehow it morphs back, back to Scotland. Back I don't know how. I could that start is. off being an Indian dwarf and end up in Scottish. Yeah, yeah. it's. Um, so that's- that is truly universal because our dwarf is also Scottish. So. Oh, that's right. Does that say something about us or Scotland? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's just, it's just natural, isn't it? You know, it's the natural order of things that yeah. all the dwarves are um, Scottish. Scottish. Well, <laughs> from Edinburgh. You also have to like kind of gauge your um, your your energy and your stamina when you're.
you're dedicating yourself to certain voices. Because mm-hmm. yeah. I, DMing, have definitely gone into some pretty dramatic ones. And by the end of it, I'm breathless. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm just like, I've been squawking for five hours yeah. and I can't breathe. <laughs> yes. You get your inhaler out and take a Yeah, few absolutely. Puffs. Yeah. I mean, I had, we were playing, well, what was originally one shot, but it's evolved into a, a few sessions now. And I, I was putting on this, like, kind of, sort of, uh, thick, African accent. Oh, I, was, I was like, Uruguay. Like Uruguay. He, he had some. He had some. He like you know. I'd I'd like Google like lines in Swahili for him to say <laughs> and like and it was working great for like the first half an hour yeah. and then it became just exhausting. But we love Uruguay and I mean I play I play a, a Goliath barbarian who's uh, just a bit of a nonce and I love him um, and like I feel like they're. I don't know. I feel like they're more than friends now. Well, yeah, something's going on <laughs> something's there. Happening. They touched foreheads in real life and in game. It was yeah. um, an experience around the table was, at that time. <laughs> I mean, I'm it's interested. Real. I mean, I, we kind of because oh, we obviously we never had really had any, uh, some guests on like this before. I mean, could you sort of tell us one uh, sort of emotional, powerful moment in your game? Yeah. So, for example, I always go to to Madame Ava in in Strahd. Like, I had I had players saying they didn't want to stop watching and as we know you don't watch anything in D&D you sat around the table yeah. have you had any like really big like oh my god I'm <laughs> I'm a DM <laughs> yeah. well I'm actually more I'm much more curious if, because I've DM'd for us most of our you know collective D&D experience together I'm much more interested in your answer and what you felt was an impactful moment because I, they're all impactful to me I mean every little moment is a baby that I've nurtured for years mm. and yeah. finally got to let them leave the nest so my impactful DM moment is more kind of like I did something that I think is a DM taboo where I got really attached to one of the characters I had created and I was really hoping that my characters would like him. Um, and I spent the entire campaign, uh, this character was kind of the guide for the rest of them. He was a gold mage um, who they didn't know this, but um, he was essentially locked in immortality because of the curse of this magic that was put upon him. And he was tired of living, but he was too cowardly to die. And and so he had come across this powerful individual who was like this elf king on a scary island who told him that if he would go out and bring people to him, uh, then he would give uh, my main character, I think his name is Damascus, he would give Damascus uh, the gift of this eternal dream. He would put him into a sleep and he would no longer be aware of his like endless life. Um, and so he was essentially like br- bringing all these people to this island to be taken advantage of. And in the end, when um, that was revealed, I, I had this big scene where he like told them his story and I thought he was super sympathetic but um, the one player in our group who is kind of like the headstrong one she's like wow you deceived us I hate you (laughs) and I was like okay the cave is crumbling are you going to go back for Damascus and they're like fuck that guy (laughs) (laughs) but they didn't care at all that's such a great character Oh, I love that. I absolutely love I mean, I had a similar experience literally just in the last session where basically the gist was... Um, the, the pre- the you just can't wait to talk about this, I can just, you? I need to get this off my chest. I need to get this off my chest. So the guys, like, they were in sort of a suicide squad sort of setup, but they were all um, kind of bound to this organisation and had to work for them against their will. <clears throat> they were all... Standard stuff. They all got done for some crimes in the past. Some of them they actually did do. Other ones they just got stitched up for. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, I actually did kill those people. Yeah, your, yeah. yeah, your character actually did do his crimes. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And, but, so, but for instance, they, 
they couldn't just run away. I'd send them on missions, and, and the players, I think, in like session two, were like, "Can we just leave?" And I was like, "Oh, I didn't." <laughs> Can we just go? I was like, "Shit, I didn't think of that." Um, I was like, "No, no, no." When you got um, arrested, they put like these magical binds on you. They can find you wherever you went. And I was like, "Well, dodge that bullet." And then later after the session, I was like, "Well, did they actually do that?" And I was like, "Well, they didn't have to have done it. I, I've told them they've done it. That's fine." And then you know, so the players could have just left any time. And Ben's character is all about getting his freedom back it's all he cares about Mm -hmm. and um, we were on this big long mission going over these mountains and eventually this one NPC Sigrid who is my absolute baby uh, basically the whole campaign has just been about him and the the, the party he's basically an honorary party member yeah he's our guide and it's just it's been so important for me to keep him alive and like praying and hoping his story is important and and the the players love it and he got attached enough to the party where he felt so guilty about stringing them along on this dangerous quest that he ended up telling uh, Timble Ben's character that that's a mistake he didn't it didn't there wasn't any magical binds so the guilt got racked up and i was hoping that his, you know, Sigrid's family had been killed by this evil warlord. You were hoping his story was going to yeah, be like, yes. in, so sympathetic enough. Yeah, but I yeah. thought Sigrid's, you know, his his wife and his his daughter have been killed, and and Ben's character, all his family's been killed. I mean, we always go pretty dark in our games. That one was quite dark. That one My was... other character's not so dark. He's got a nice family on a farm he's trying to provide for. Yeah, this one was quite dark, and I thought, okay, look, they're like, you know, like two t- sides of the same coin. You know, this will be a great moment where he forgives him, and Ben was like, no, I just kill him. I'm. Uh... I mean, it didn't actually happen like that. I mean, to be fair, I, I did I did not want to do it for you. Ben wanted to not do it for Joe. Timble w- wanted to go west, mate. I mean, luckily, uh, he has a massively high AC. And, and he got away. He got away. Um, yeah. But <laughs> it Maybe was... Back and he can redeem himself yeah. in their eyes. Well, that oh, no, that's that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I mean, we we don't know. I mean, the the the, oh, the party is split now. We've got I've got two characters going off with Sigrid, two other characters going off elsewhere. So now I've got to run two separate campaigns. It'll it, be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be great fun. But, but yeah, no, I always have that where I think this is how the players are going to you know uh, pick up this NPC. This is how they're going to feel about it. the ones I want the players to kill. They never kill. Yeah, just never. I just like I don't. This guy has no backstory or anything you were just supposed to drain his hit points and you guys are like I now want... you're questioning him yeah now you're like, oh, let's take him on our adventure and I'm like okay. I have no idea what his motivations are what, yeah. what his voice sounds like for example I'd like to update my uh, description of how I would describe D&D to somebody yeah. I would say imagine you build an intricate maze for toddlers and then they crash through yeah. it yeah. 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 yeah pretty much that yeah. is literally it I mean I oh yeah terrible yeah. Well, but it's is... amazing that you love to see destroyed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I brought it on myself, um, and I, I kind of knew it was going to happen, but I was sort of like, you know, like a moth to the flame. I was like, I just kind of like, need I, to I see what happens. I want to know what happens. I want to know. Yeah. yeah I and there know. is there is no safe points in D&D. Once no. it happens, it happens, I'm afraid. <laughs> no, I couldn't reload the checkpoint, unfortunately. Yeah. Right. Oh. Well, this has been pretty great, I think, actually. I, to be honest, I, 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 you know what? I think I actually I thought of my, one of my most rewarding DM stories. Oh, actually. I, have a, I have a quick one. So this was not the most epic encounter. You know, it wasn't like a big fight scene or anything, but it was we had been playing in this group for two, three, two and a half years, two, three years, something like that at this point. Yeah, our, our group. Okay. And uh, my brother, who is five years younger than me, he'd been he'd played with me before in other campaigns but we don't you know we live about half an hour 45 minutes away from each other so he hadn't been in this setting with us yet and we were trying to find a way to introduce him and we finally had a time where he'd come into the you know we could come to a session and uh our party was all around level six seven eight something at this point so we you know we were 
stronger than he was mm. uh, and he was playing as a sorcerer and I told him he could start at level three, but he had to kind of prove himself to the party. And so he shows up at, you know, they have this keep that they're staying at at this point. And this little, you know, kind of scrawny looking elf comes and knocks on their gate. And he's like, hey, let me in. And they're like, why should I let you in? And he goes, well, look at this. And he spider climbs up the wall. <laughs> and he starts like demonstrating, <laughs> doing tricks for them, doing all of his, little, you know, doing all of his, all of his favorite little spells to try and impress these, the, you know, these big the guys. The best part is he's like, hey, you want to be big? I can make you big. Can I come? Slime? How about yeah. that? <laughs> <laughs> he just wants to belong. Yeah. I know. He wanted so badly to be in the party, and we we're like, all right, come on. In. <laughs> we, <laughs> we really made him work for that. <laughs> that's, that's a bold move starting him at level three. That's like yeah. a that's a real brotherly move, that is, isn't it? Just yeah. dropping him in like that. Oh dear. What yeah. are we gonna Yeah. God. That's that's like a that's a big gap. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I thought yeah. you were underpowered, Ben. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that's my own fault. He got his um, he got possessed and in sleep. We had to cut his arm off, and then he woke <laughs> up to being limbless. So. Oh yeah, he lost an arm in a session where he wasn't present, oh. and he came back oh. the next time, and he's like, "Wait, my excuse me, my what's gone?" Yeah. <laughs> we uh, we have this. We have the issue of of people not being able to make it. We Joe and I are the enforcers of the group. We've got to the part where we're like, "Okay, if one person can't make it, we don't care. We're playing. <laughs> Otherwise, we're never gonna play." And um, when we when we played this session um, prior to this this all happening in Joe's game, one guy didn't make it, and and we're sitting there going round and round, and we get to his his count on the initiative order, and Joe's like, well. I guess we'll wait until next game because <laughs> yeah I literally I was like you know I normally I'd make the decision for him I'm like in this one I really yeah, can't I really can't I really can't <laughs> yeah I've always I've had that a couple of times where I've nearly had characters die that weren't well we there. had we had the uh, we have a session where one of our guys he was off at, at uni at the time and we had to keep playing without him and we kept missing sessions and you know being quite selfish players were like oh it's all his fault we're not playing oh no and I think I said we, we were all waiting for him to like knock on the door the session he could finally make and I said how funny it would be if we all sat down and then I just killed him straight away and <laughs> oh it, my God. without even meaning to he killed him instantly finger of death instantly oh killed him but like but from my point of view I was there I was like right okay you're all on the roof and, and she's gonna do she's like well she's not gonna do it to you because she wants you alive you're not a threat you're not a threat you're being dealt with him uh, you and it was what one point over his hit point maximum and what made me laugh so hard about that one is this This is the player that just loves the combat that's all he cares he just wants to shoot things with his bow it's the only reason he turns off at the session and I'm like okay I guess you're a zombie for and we session. just started the combat he was literally his turn was next Ben was like finger of death and you don't get any saving throws if you die on finger no, of death you just, you just go you just, just rise as a zombie and he was like oh okay I guess uh, I guess I'll be going then <laughs> we were like no oh, stay no. stay you we'll can, sort it out you can be a shambling thing yeah oh. yeah i felt bad a, in a little teacup and carry him around that way yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah that would work that would work oh. <laughs> i feel like i could talk for hours i know i know we'll have to do this again sometime <laughs> oh we, we'd love that we'll we'll look we'll, we'll ramble off here because i think um <laughs> i don't know how long this episode is at this point it's gonna be one of the longer ones it is gonna be but we're, i think we're a little over an hour here. yeah oh, well, that's all right that's fine i feel like um it's it's one of those ones where we try and we try and give something to 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 you the listener. Let's break the fourth wall. Um, every time we we sit and talk, uh, whether that's an idea or or a theme or or just information in general or how we would do something, and this is one of those episodes where there's there's not a lot of that, but 
I mean, one of our most popular episodes was was hearing Phoebe how she got into into D and D and and yeah. that stigma and stuff. And I think this is one of those ones. It's if if we're enjoying talking about it, someone's going to enjoy listening. Absolutely, in, absolutely. To it, I so. mean, you know, if we want to make something valuable for players, maybe we just just lightning round really quick. Each of us go through like one quick tip we have for your. So it's it was worth the trip. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Listen. Okay. And then so, they have to listen to the end. Well on, done, Sam. Perfect. Ben, start. Uh, Give one me quick one quick tip to improve your campaign. Go. Uh, okay. Um, don't be afraid to kill off your players. Make an encounter if you enjoy it. Good. Don't worry about balancing it. If they die, they die. It's their own fault. Okay, I'll go next. Um, make any character in the game doesn't matter who if you want someone to be unique give them a Texan accent because it will just freak everyone else out no one else like everyone's British this one random guy's from Texas bonus point if they're a dragon exactly thank you he's an exchange student (laughs) (laughs) okay Sam uh, you know, I think for me, a, a big thing is about just keeping open communication with your players. We try really hard to, we, you know, we have a group chat on Facebook or whatever, and I, I want to get as much feedback from my players as I can, because the more that I know about their characters, the more I can incorporate them into the story. So if I know, you ask your players questions, ask them yeah. what they want to achieve, where they want to go, who they want to be, and turn that into story. If, if you ever stumped about how to build your next session, just ask your players about it. I think that can be a really, really helpful and valuable exercise. Yeah, it's a awesome. really good one. Awesome. Pop up. Sweet. I would say um, when planning out your sessions, uh, don't do it too strictly. Kind of always make a, um, a 50-50 uh, option split. So in case they decide to try and dupe you, that way you're not stuck on the spot after you've written a novel of uh, how it's going to play out. <laughs> that is some sage advice. Well, there you go. Um, before yep. we head off, could you guys uh, want to just plug yourselves? Tell us where we can find you. Yeah, of course. Uh, so you can find us on all major podcasting platforms uh, at World Forge. You can also find us. <clears throat> excuse me. Oh, you can cut that part. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's it. That's no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, we never there. cut. We never oh, cut. No. no, no, no. At least my voice didn't cry. Uh, <laughs> you can uh, you can find us on Twitter at World Forge Pod. You can. Uh, catch us on Gmail at worldforgepod at gmail.com. Any way that you want to contact us, if you have questions, uh, concerns, suggestions for our show, we'd love to hear it. Uh, any feedback that people have is is always appreciated. Yeah. Awesome. And we're gonna we're gonna jump over to your podcast. So um the guys <laughs> listening who are regular or if you've just stumbled upon us, um instead of going straight back to episode one, uh, pop over and try out Worldforge. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Uh, we will catch you as usual next week talking, uh, I think, about the planes, Joe. I think so, yeah. Um, where Felix has been in touch and he wants to know how to do it. So <laughs> we'll get into that next week. Um, have a wonderful week. Guys, we will talk to you on your podcast next. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. Okay. Thanks, Bye. <laughs> thanks for listening today. If you like the podcast, do us a favour. Leave us a like or review on your platform of choice and share us with your friends. You can get in touch with us on Twitter at WeSpeakCommon or through the email WeSpeakCommon at Hotmail.com. The music in the podcast is Street Dancing by Timecrawler82 and is licensed under an attribution license CC by NC. You can find it on the Free Music Archive.